0: Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we are helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name's Mike Bernard, I am your host and one of the certified financial planners on the show. Kevin is not with us today, but Joshua Gregory, my co-host and colleague here, is joining me in the KFG studios.
1: Hey, we all know intuitively that it's really important to get your investment structured right for your goals. But what may not be as clear all the time is how do you do it? What choices do you have to make? How do you structure this? And uh, in this episode of Wise Money, Mike and I are going to unpack that for you and uh, help you figure out what are the choices you need to make to structure your investments well.
0: Such a crucial topic and one that gets a lot of attention and a lot of A lot of you are confused about it, and it brings on a lot of questions. So once again, I want to remind you, you can reach out to us in a few different ways to submit your questions. We'll talk about it on an upcoming show. 574-222-2000 is the phone number. You can call or text. You also find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. Submit a question as well as catch up on previous episodes right there speaking of previous episodes we've got the youtube channel up and running at wise money radio facebook and twitter as well you can submit questions that way stay connected continue the conversation let's get into it it's such an important topic you guys know we're in the middle of a series where we're talking about each area of your financial life individually that's risky because you really need to make great decisions where the magic happens is when you look at all six areas together certified financial planner should be doing that with you. That's the process you you should go through. But today we're talking about the fourth area and that's investment planning. And really we all have choices in how we make our investment decisions. Should you do this or should you do that? And we wanna put the spotlight on a few of those where a a lot of them that decisions that you're making are somewhat um, out of context maybe not part of a, a uh, full financial plan. And, and you're not really cognizant to some of the choices that you're making. We want to shine a spotlight on the most important topics and help you make a great decision. When I think about the choices you need to make in your investments, the first one that comes to mind is whether you should use individual stocks or mutual funds.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's a great place to start. And, um, you know, I, I personally, I'm, I'm curious to hear what your opinion is, Mike, but I feel like I, I'm a fan of both if the circumstances are right. And I'm sure we're probably going to make an argument. I think we're both on the same page with this, that for most people, it's mutual funds over stocks. But I, I feel like we should um, really discuss stock ownership first of the two. And, um, you know, if, if I were to ask you the question, um, what do... Think about the most successful, financially successful people that you know personally. What do they have in common? And Mike, you and I get to peer into people's lives all the time. But mm-hmm. if you were to say, what is the common thread uh, amongst people who have achieved financial success or financial freedom? Is there something that stands out to you? Absolutely. Okay. I, a lot of people, if, if you're listening today, you may be thinking of the doctor in the family or a salesperson or a, an executive that lives down the street or something like that. And, and that may be true. They may have achieved a lot of success because of having big income and everything. But the, the common thread that I see is business ownership. Mm. And it's not every business owner, right? Mm. I mean, some businesses struggle, some businesses fail, but many business owners are successful um, or, I'll say it differently many people who are financially successful are somehow tied into the success of a business that has thrived. That may be a business that they started or that they're a partner in, or it could be a large business that maybe they have some sort of ownership stake in, stock options, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I like to encourage people to think of. Owning stocks as a way to tap into the magic of business ownership. Right? I mean, that's what you really own. A lot of people think of owning stocks as just. It's almost like gambling. I'm just buying something and hoping it goes up. I don't really understand how it works. I don't even know what I own, that kind of thing. Well, at the heart of it, you own a small little sliver of hopefully a very world-class business that is you know, doing well and you're going to participate in the success of that business. That will help drive you towards your financial goals and financial success. And we're we're navigating towards
0: whether you should use individual stocks or a mutual fund. But what you said, Josh, brings me back to something I like to teach when I'm when I'm talking to folks who are early on in their financial life. You've got to make a decision. Are you going to be a borrower, a lender, or an owner? The borrower uses someone else's money but pays interest. Dangerous. Not really easy to get ahead in that situation. The lender, you've got f- the full downside when you're lending money. Someone might just not give you the money back, but your upside is limited in that the person you're lending the money to is only gonna give you a little bit of interest. But as an owner, your downside is also unlimited. You can lose all of it, but you get the rewards of appreciating in an unlimited way as well. And so given the choice, this is, we're trying to make this intentional for you, given the choice between, well, I wanna be a borrower, lender, or an owner. No, be an owner, be an owner, and that is owning stock. And where you're an owner and participant in some of the world's great enterprises as our friend Jeff Bernier says, Mm -hmm. and as more and more feet land on this earth, there will be needs that need met, met by businesses to an expanding and growing number of people and you owning stock, having ownership in a company allows you to appreciate as that company expands and serves more people with more revenue and hopefully more profits.
1: That's right, and if you were a business owner in a local community, you would know that you're in business to generate a profit and that that is your reward for taking a risk, right? Maybe someday you can sell that business. It's even easier with stock ownership. You get still a share of the profits of that business when it does well and if it grows in value because those profits keep growing, someday you can sell those shares maybe for more than what you you bought it for. So you can win two different ways when you own stock. To me, the question, though, is what's the best way to own stocks? Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's, this, that's where mutual funds come into play. That's
0: the question of should you own individual stocks or mutual funds? And really, I, let me just ask a few questions. If there, There's something attractive about owning stocks, and, and I own some, okay, but- How confident are you, even with a little bit of research, that you think Apple is going to be a better company than Microsoft, or that Ford's going to be better than GM, or that Google's going to be better than Apple? You would have to do more research than you would have time to perform, and it would still get you ultimately down to a guess. An educated guest because you're not out there flying to these different companies, to the suppliers to these different companies, talking to the managers, doing the scuttlebutt as some financial professionals say, getting the word on, well, is activity strong? Is management good? What's the overall morale? What's the feel? What's the outlook? If you're going to buy individual stocks, that's what you have to do in order for you to know whether you should buy Google or Apple.
1: That's right, that's right. You know, if owning stocks is a way to tap into the magic of uh, owning a piece of a successful, thriving business, then mutual funds, in my opinion, are the way to tap into owning the stocks. And as you just described, it's really relying upon a professional a middleman to be the one who's monitoring these companies making sure that um, you know they're making good choices to avoid the dogs that are out there companies that have a broken business model and are maybe on their way down as opposed to up and also trying to sniff out those great opportunities those future Amazon's or those future apples and um, y- you know basically helping you pick companies that you can succeed with over the long haul. Mm-hmm. When you invest in stocks or mutual funds that invest in stocks, you have to have a long-term time horizon. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned the word gambling, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit on this show. Investing should not be gambling. That's right. Because when you gamble, it's you're going to win or you're going to lose. And with investing... And by the way, you often lose in gambling because the house is set up to win. And investing, you're the house. You're actually set up to win yourself. And it's participating in the growth of the economy, the global economy, and so on. However, if you're picking just an individual stock, that could feel like gambling because you don't know whether it's going to appreciate or it's going to drop in value mutual funds are that answer so here's the question should you do everything in mutual funds should you have some stocks should you own something called an exchange traded fund that and more coming up here on wise money with corhorn financial group This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Should you select your own investment mix of stocks and bonds, U.S. international, or should you use a target date fund? That's a question posing uh, that's being posed to most of us here as we invest inside of our 401ks. We've got the, that answer coming up. My name is Mike Bernard. I've got Josh Gregory with me in the KFG studios. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group, wisemoneyradio.com. 574 222 2000 and at Wise Money Radio on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Those are all ways you can connect with the show, submit questions, and all of that. I want to say a special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. And today, we're right in the middle of our series talking about the most important financial choices that you have to make in each area of your financial life. And we're talking about dessert today. This is investments. These choices that you have sometimes go, they're unconscious. You don't realize you're making a decision. You're just saying yes to this. And in doing that, you're saying no to something else. The biggie we're still talking about, should you own individual stocks or mutual funds? The interesting thing, as you're trying to build wealth in your investments, concentration builds wealth. Diversification helps preserve it. If you're a fan of the Wise Money Show, you've heard us talk about the importance of diversification long-term, but the idea of owning individual stocks is all about concentration. How do you mix that idea of wanting to be somewhat concentrated to have appreciation while also staying diversified. How do you mix that into the discussion with stocks versus mutual well, funds?
1: Well, let's let's define first of all what we mean by concentration versus diversification because if you owned one stock and Mike, I'm assuming if you had to pick one company to own it would be Disney. You got it. Am I right? Oh, love I it. know you so well. Star, uh,
0: Star Wars, Mickey. Yeah. And and what Cinderella. a what
1: a great company it's been. Cinderella. Nice. <laughs> So Super so you heroes. could own that one stock or you could own a mutual fund that also has Disney inside of it mm-hmm. and hundreds of other companies as well. Yeah. So that's what we mean by, are you going to just pick one and hope for the best, even if you maybe have great insights into how successful it will be in the future? Can I just get on a soapbox here? You've heard me talk about this. I do love love
0: Disney. I'm a family guy. Kids love Disney and I, I'm a fan and you know, bought Fox and they bought... Uh, you know, the comic stuff, Marvel. I mean, they're, they're, it's a lot of, it's a, It's great. How Will ESPN turn around or not? Will Disney sell ESPN before it drags the whole company down? We don't know those answers. So even though it's a magical place and I love it and, and I feel that it's a great company to appreciate with, you have no idea the strategic decisions that that company needs to make and how that will play in on investors. Let me give you another example. We've had the new Star Wars movie that came out, The Last Jedi. Although, uh, anyway, when when they first started coming out with new Star Wars movies, new Star Wars movie was released on a Friday, very first one, Force Awakens, released on a Friday, broke all the records by Monday. Guess what happened to Disney stock on Monday? Dropped 2%. The market was up. How in the world do you own this franchise that just broke the record for movie sales in opening weekend and the stock go down? Doesn't make sense. So I would agree, even though I, yeah, would own Disney, it's also important to not have all of your eggs in that basket because it's so complex knowing where it's going to go.
1: That's exactly right. And one of the ways that you uh, maybe protect yourself from the emotional ups and downs of that type of an experience where you think man I've got this stock figured out I know this movie's gonna be a hit and then on Monday it's down that can shake your confidence. And quite frankly, a lot of investors are maybe overconfident in their ability to assess a company. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you don't know, right? Maybe you're an investor in Kroger and you think, hey, this is a great company with a bright future in the in the grocery industry. And then Amazon makes an announcement that they're entering that space by ba- buying Whole Foods. Exactly. Real story happened last year, right? So, So be concentrated.
0: And if you, if you want appreciation, if you're in that phase, if you're an aggressive investor, be concentrated in stocks. And if you're attracted to one or two or a handful of companies, I don't discourage that. Do invest in those with some play money. But your long-term, the, the core of your strategy should be in mutual funds or exchange-traded funds where you do own Amazon, you do own Apple, you do own all these great soaring companies right now but in a small portion because you also own hundreds of others.
1: You know, there's a trend happening though amongst mutual funds where you you can buy lots of different types of mutual funds with many different flavors and piece them all together in a portfolio or inside your 401k most likely there's a uh, we'll do it for you type option, a turnkey option called a target date fund. That's right. Where you basically select a mutual fund based on when you're going to retire, when you're going to start using the money, and then they handle all the details of which mutual funds we're piecing together. So there's, there's like a hierarchy here or a stratification of how involved are you going to be in managing these dollars. Target date funds are really claiming that they can do it for you better than you can do it. Do you like those? What's your your gut? I personally am not a fan of them, mostly because I want to know what's happening under the hood. I I Mm want to be able to see what is the mix of investments. I want to be able to have control over uh, adjusting that. But that's because I am playing an active role in my clients' lives, right? If they didn't have someone who was helping coach them along... Then you know, unless they're willing to take the time to uh, educate themselves, stay on top of what's happening in the investment world, you know, having it done for them may make some sense. Um, I, I just don't really like the idea that everyone is starting to channel into these kind of plain vanilla mm-hmm. mutual funds and almost kind of turning the brain off and and just completely delegating and not really staying involved. Yeah,
0: I I think they have a place for two reasons, but the example that I usually give is, is it appropriate for you to have a prefabricated house or do you want something more custom tailored fit to you? And, And oftentimes it's custom tailored fit, but if you're just starting out, you're just starting to invest, you probably don't have a lot of money And diversification is extremely important. So you may want to start with a target date fund. Second, if you're the type of person who in a diversified portfolio is frequently looking to compare one against another, and there is a temptation there, a risk that you could look and say, this year international did better than U.S., I'm selling U.S. and I'm buying more international. If you're tempted, I call that investment strategy. It's the most dangerous out there. I call that following the crowd. If that's your temptation, then I like the target date fund because you don't get to see how those individual pieces are performing. You just get your return from that one fund.
1: That's right, but by doing so, you're kind of settling for the idea that you're not going to grow in your own investment savvy you're not going to gain experience and wisdom over time mm-hmm. and th- what happens when you get out there to retirement and you're done with the target date fund you know it's it's uh, landed the plane and you're in very safe stuff and you still have 20 or 30 years of growing your investments in retirement yeah. and you haven't spent your working years building up your own knowledge and experience level and, and things like that. Well, what if your lifestyle is extraordinarily long because of
0: modern medicine? What if you seek to retire early? And so you pick the retire retirement date as of the date you retired, but you sold a business and you're only 52. That very well might not be the right diversification That's for right. you. So what about exchange traded funds? I've touched on them a little bit. One of the choices you have to make is, do you want active management? where you're using a mutual fund manager who's trying to find and allocate more to certain companies than others, or do you wanna just own the index using an exchange traded fund? Or an
1: index-based mutual fund, either one, right?
0: Exactly, So, so how do you help make that choice, Josh? What would you point people to?
1: Well, again, I mean, if you're going to just set a mix of investments and let it go, these types of investments have a place because they're a passive approach. You're not having to try to pick a good money manager who has a proven process, a repeatable process. Instead, you're just saying, hey, over time, I believe the stock market in the US or internationally or the bond market, I I think it's gonna make money given enough time, and I'm a patient investor. I won't get too wrapped up in the emotion. I'm fine with just being passive.
0: I, I like them. I think they they have a they play a role. They should play a role in your portfolio as you build and build more wealth. They should play a role. Should they be everything? I don't think so. But they should be they should be a core. And that gets us to this next point: Should you take a long-term buy-and-hold approach with your investments, or should you take a short-term, more active approach? Oh, that's a biggie. We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Porhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. Thank you for joining us. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard next to Josh Gregory in the KFG studios. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with REMAX 100 for partnering with us on the Why is Money Show. It's tax season, folks. We're right in the heart of it. We've got a few tax questions that we're going to be hitting later in the show. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. We right now are right in the heart of dessert. This is so much fun to talk about. It's the area of your financial life that gets the most attention. It's investment planning. We're talking about the major choices that you have to make. If you have a question, we would love to hear from you. We want to talk about it on an upcoming show. Call or text us 574-222-2000 wisemoneyradio.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at WisemoneyRadio. we have got all sorts of questions or or decisions to make as you're building your investment strategy. And, And we haven't touched on it yet, folks, but the moral of the story is make sure your investment strategy is consistent with your financial plan that gets you towards your goals. That is the name of the game. It's not... Well, the right investment strategy is the one that never goes down and always picks the winners and always is in the best investment. Nope. It's the one that's consistent to your overall financial plan. Now that drives us to this next choice. Should you have a long-term buy and hold approach or should it be short-term, more active trading? What approach is best?
1: Yeah. you know, If I was going to add anything to what you just said, you want your investment strategy to be one that drives the right behaviors in you. And the direct, the the correct habits uh, over time. And this this particular issue: should you be active and and making a lot of changes within your investments, or should you set it and forget it and let time, um, you, you know, work its magic for you over uh, your course towards financial goals and everything? There's a study that's done every single year, and mutual fund companies are notorious for citing this because mutual fund companies, they want you to set your dollars into one of their funds and then let it go. Don't jump in and out, right? The, the study is called a Dalbar study. And every year there's all kinds of articles written each time it comes out and they all say the same thing. Don't be an active manager of your dollars. Don't jump in and out. Just set it and let it go right? Mm-hmm. Because what they're citing is how did the overall stock market, which we measure as the S&P 500, that's a stock market uh, index that we track, over the past 20 years, in the, according to the most recent study, that has earned 7.68% on average each year. Mm-hmm. The average stock market investor, by way of mutual funds, their performance has been So I'll round here and say 7.7% is what the stock market did, or 4.8% is what most individual investors did. And the the question is always, well, why the discrepancy? Why is there almost a 2.9% gap there? Which is enormous, by the way. That doesn't sound like a lot, but if you give yourself 20 or 30 years of underperforming by almost 3%, that is the, the outcomes are night and day difference. That's right. right? And the studies just always come back to, well, the difference is instead of you just owning the stock market for that entire calendar year, you were probably jumping in and out, making changes, that sort of thing. And because of that, you underperform due to, uh, you know, our own bad decisions, often emotion driving those decisions. And we're not just talking about, well,
0: I like to be in it this month and I'm out the next month and I'm in it the following month. I'm out the next month. It could be something much bigger. Uh, Let me point to a couple. This election year is making me nervous and the markets had a great run. I think I need to get, now's the time to get more conservative. Does that sound familiar? I'm a little concerned about what's happening with tensions overseas. I think I should get a little more conservative. I don't trust the stock market rebound. I should get a little more conservative. The US rating might get downgraded or I'm concerned about Greece. Those are all reasons. Very legitimate, very emotional. Josh laughs at me. We share responsibilities on the KFG team to be the architect for our investment strategy and managing the money that we manage for our clients. And I'm much more emotional about it than Josh. That's why we have a committee, a team of people that make the investment decisions because, oh yeah, I don't like it. When the news is all awful, eh, I it's hard. It's, it's hard because I, I, I care about the people we serve. I know the gravity, the weight of making those decisions, but that's the difference. It's not just, well, one day I like it, the next day I don't. No, there are legitimate, real reasons and concerns where you might say, time to pull back on the reins. But what it's meant is a significant
1: underperformance. That's right. So. That's right. You know, part of the reason why I, I'm a big believer in having a coach that's with you in your corner, someone who's helping you make your investment decisions instead of you just doing it yourself, whether that is an active approach or a uh, a more passive set it and forget it type of an approach, is because human beings are notorious for getting it wrong when we ask the question, why was something successful or why was something uh, a failure. In fact, psychologists actually came up with a term for this. They call it fundamental attribution error. How do nope. you like that for a $50 word? No wonder I haven't heard of it. That's right. No, I, I read a study. <laughs> the study uh, stands out to me because it had to do with basketball. They, they put uh, participants in a room and had them watch basketball, uh, two equal uh, basketball players shooting baskets in a gym. One gym was well lit. The other one was a darker room and asked them to judge the players. And people consistently say, oh, well, the one shooting in the dimly lit room who's missing more shots, they're not a good player. The other one's great. Interesting. And they, they completely ignore the fact that the context had something to do with it. Well, you and I all the time, we are prone to the same thing with our investments as well, where maybe we had an investment, a mutual fund in your 401k that was down last quarter. Was it down because that manager was shooting in a poorly lit gym Hmm. or or were they down because they're just a bad player and you need to replace them? Right. Right. We're not great at doing that on our own. And that's why you need to have a professional working with you who maybe has a systematic way of judging whether or not that shooter is a good shooter or it's the gym that's causing their performance.
0: Okay, I'm going to go there then. The, this this big decision, all of those decisions are important, but the one that probably trumps all of them is this decision that you need to make is, are you going to be the one calling the shots on your investment strategy or are you going to hire a professional? And there's even the option right now of are you just going to hire a computer? They call them a robo. And let me just touch on that one first. No, I need to talk about the big picture. The what's going to get you from where you are to your goals? Yes, a 3% underperformance is going to make a big difference, but it's mostly your habits that are going to drive it. So you really need a certified financial planner helping you know, here's the amount of investment return you need to reach your goals. And here then is how you should structure your investments. That is what I need. That's what Josh needs. That's what you need. The doing it online approach, not yourself, just saying a computer handle it. You're paying for something that you would get in a target date fund. That's it. You, you, you would be, those. they sound attractive. They're a little bit cheaper than a normal financial advisor and you can call someone. It's just a computer model. They're not doing anything. They're not helping you make changes here or there. It's just a target date fund. Save your money and do a target date fund. But I would argue you should have a certified financial planner who's helping you construct the entire package of your financial needs to help you get to reach your goals and the investment structure should be a component of that so of course our bias is have a professional but not because oh they will get you extra return every single year no in the long term i believe they will but more importantly they'll help you get the right investment structure for your long term goals
1: you know the analogy that I've shared in one of my retirement classes is if if you think of managing your investments into retirement as flying an airplane what you need to decide is do you have the skill and the competence and the desire to play a certain role do you want to be the captain at uh, you know captain of the plane flying this plane yourself do you want to have someone there in the cockpit next to you helping navigate do you want them flying the plane and you're just involved or are you gonna be in the back enjoying the flight and letting someone else handle it? This is one of the most important decisions that you have to make is what role are you gonna play as you enter into retirement? Well, the other
0: thing is with that analogy, it might seem like it's pretty easy to fly that plane when you're already at cruising altitude and you don't have to weave in and out and the weather looks great. But what happens when you enter the, the, the storm? and you start seeing turbulence and what happens when you need to land that plane on the aircraft carrier as in reach retirement and structure it. Professionals really help in that case. Should you be getting a refund on your taxes? We've got that great question from James coming up on Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Should you be managing your own investments or should you, should you trust a professional with that? That is the question on the table My name's Mike Bernard in the KFG studios with Josh Gregory. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. We have been talking about the most important decisions you need to make in the area of investment planning. This is dessert. This is the area that gets the most attention in your financial life. Sometimes we make decisions that we're just unconscious about the consequences, saying yes to one thing means we're saying no to something else. Pretty soon, you've drifted way off from the plumb line. And we're talking about what are those decisions? How do you make sure you don't you don't drift? If you've missed anything, every show is on the YouTube channel at Wise Money Radio. It's also online, wisemoneyradio.com. It's also on podcast, iTunes, Google Play. If you have any questions or you don't like what we said or you disagree with us, I, I want to hear from you. Reach out to us. You can send us a question online at wisemoneyradio.com or call or text 574-222-2000. So, we've been talking about these big decisions within your investment life, and, and really we've finished with the, the supreme decision. Are you doing it yourself, or do you hire a professional? And, and so,
1: how do you put all this together, Josh? What, what are the next steps? To to me, the next question that you have to ask is the one that we kind of ended with, and that is deciding who are you going to trust to help you with all these investment decisions that have to be made. And even if you're someone who's been doing it yourself for ages and you say, I I don't need an outside help. I've got this. Then ask the question with your spouse in mind. Instead, if I was gone, who would I want my spouse to be trusting to help with these investment types of decisions? And do I get that person plugged in? I would hope that you'd choose someone that can help you fit your investment decisions into one single game plan for your overall financial life. A game plan that's based on your values and your objectives, the goals that you're trying to accomplish, and someone who can help you figure out what, what do those investments need to accomplish and what do your habits need to be so that together they can help you achieve those, those financial goals for the future? And, and finally, I would also want you to make sure that you are not losing track of the tax ramifications of your decisions either. Well, that's what I was just going to
0: say. As you're
1: looking for this person, as you've decided what role you want to
0: play, whether you wanna be the co-pilot or just monitoring in the backseat of the cockpit or in the back of the plane, just enjoying the ride. Once you decide that and you're looking for the right professional, make sure you have someone in your corner who is tying your investment strategy with your income needs, with your protection plan and helping that drive how much insurance you need or whether you need any insurance at all, driving your tax decisions what your retirement picture looks like, and make sure your investments are all set up to accomplish your estate plan. That is a certified financial planner. That's what we do all day, every day, other than the hour we get to spend uh, on the radio. That is what we do. We are practitioners in that. You need to find someone who's a certified financial planner who's gonna take that approach. Oh, I could talk about this topic all day, but it's tax season. It is, we're in the heart of it. It's taxes, and we've got tax questions we need to hit. It's a very, very busy time here at KFG, but so much fun. James question, He's, he's 47, here's what he asked. I usually get a refund each year on my taxes, and I'm wondering if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I've always treated it as a little extra fund money in my pocket once a year. Is that a good approach?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, there are some folks out there that believe, oh, if you get a tax refund, then you're not planning very well because the government's been sitting on your money throughout the year and they're not paying you interest or anything. Why not have that in your hands through throughout the year? And uh, you know, I I personally don't feel that way. I don't think it's a problem to get a refund, but it ultimately is a question of, well, what did you do with the refund? Or what would you have done with the money if you had a little bit more in your paycheck throughout the year? And which one leads you to a better decision, hmm. right? Um, because some people, they get the big refund, and that's how they keep hitting a goal every year. Maybe they built up their emergency fund a little bit with it, or they wiped out a debt, or, or something like that. Um, other people, and I, I think this is kind of the way that James framed it, Uh, He called it a little extra fun money, right? There's nothing wrong with that, especially if, uh, you know, throughout the year, getting a few dollars extra in your paycheck would have just kind of gotten lost and you never really would have appreciated it. Maybe having a chunk of money is a way to save that money up and and do something more meaningful with it.
0: Uh, Let me argue with you a little bit on the first one, which is some people like, to use this, this refund to help with a goal. My favorite story is helping a young couple, and when we first sat down, they wanted to delegate the tax work to us because we were doing tax planning, and they said, yeah, I've been, I've been doing it because our first year of marriage, we had a CPA prepare the return, and we owed $1,500, and it freaked us out we were newly wedged, We didn't have a lot of money. And I said, never again. And so, and he's a math teacher, so he's good with numbers. So he wanted to do the return from there on out. But we started doing planning and he said, no, I'd like you guys to do it. That idea, that fear of, I want to make sure we don't have to owe this money again, was giving them a refund of around three grand a year, every year. Well, guess what? The planning approach showed we need to be saving a little bit extra for retirement if you are getting this refund each year and you say all right great i can put a little money in my roth ira wouldn't it be better to have that money reduce your withholdings have that money come in your paycheck every single month and have it go directly into the investments every single month so that you're what they call dollar cost averaging and in this particular case It made more sense for them not to do Roth IRAs, but pre-tax. So wouldn't it be great if you could use some of that refund to have you pay less tax? Mm -hmm. So we took most of the refund. I like shooting for a $500 refund for folks. We took most of that refund, put it into his 403B as a teacher. He doesn't have 401K, has a 403B, which is the the, uh, um, non-profit version of the 401K. And it meant they paid less tax and ultimately got a, a still a nice refund. So I would have, I would challenge you on that. I'd have you have you think but, about that. No,
1: that's the point, though, right? I, you actually, you were, you're trying to argue with me, but you're actually making my point. The uh, I love it when that happens. Mike, <laughs> By the way, um, no, what that person did is they chose to do something better with it throughout the year. Totally, right? Totally. So so that to me is why. Uh, it, it makes sense. Now, if they had reduced it down to a $500 refund and the, the rest of the $2,500 just gets sprinkled throughout the year and gets used throughout the year, they don't actually do anything beneficial with it, then they haven't won. Mm-hmm. But here, here's another thing to keep in mind when it comes to refunds. You need to understand why you're getting a refund. Absolutely. There there are some things in your financial life, maybe you're in the college years and you've been getting some sweet college credits, but they're about to go away because your son or daughter just graduated this past year. And so it was an artificially high refund that's not sustainable. It's not going to be there long long term. Do you really want to go monkey around with your tax withholdings to squeeze down that tax refund only to find out, that it disappeared anyway, and now you owe the following year.
0: If you're listening to this right now, you need tax planning. It's never been more obvious that you need tax planning with all the tax changes. What Josh is talking about is you need to know why you're getting a refund, and that is taking a proactive look at your tax return saying, what, why did I get this result this year, and what's going to change for next year? Therefore, should I make any adjustments? It's all changing. Folks, or a lot of it is changing, and so you want to take a proactive look. I've got to tuck Susan's question in here real quick. She's upset. She's she's not upset with us, thankfully. Although we welcome those comments too. She's 55. She said, "I just got my taxes prepared, and I'm upset because the cost increased a little bit over last year. Should I just start doing TurboTax?" Once again, Susan, you need you need tax planning. So if you're paying for tax planning as part of tax preparation and that cost is going up, I mean, we do taxes here. Yeah, the the, the costs are going up for us to prepare taxes. The software that we need to use. They said it'd be more simple. No, it's more complicated. There's more involved in order to get an accurate, correct tax return out there. And so unfortunately, inflation is happening out there, but that shouldn't drive you away from being proactive with your, with your taxes. So I would want to make sure you're getting the right value, the right experience for that cost. And then second, uh, how do you want to spend your time? The average person that prepares their return, it takes, I, I think it's six hours. And, wow. and And whereas the CPA can do it. Ryan Fair on our team, he's usually on the show with us <laughs> Six minutes. record fast. <laughs> he actually did. He was in a competition actually. And yeah, it was awesome. That is all the time we have for today on behalf of Josh Gregory and myself and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Joint business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities, Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.